Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Australian Jams. I'm Gemma Bastiani, as usual, and today I'm joined by fellow Swans fan, which is, let's be honest, the reason I wanted to talk to him, uh, Tim Levinson. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. Yep, same here. And thank you for asking me to be on because I get to talk to you and we can kind of like cut, cut it straight about a bunch of different swan stuff as well as talking about a bunch of music so i'm pleased to be here <laughs> yeah we've mm. kind of existed on the periphery of one another for a long time because of footy right thanks to twitter uh-huh. yep. <laughs> and, and now um, we're actually talking <laughs> yeah that's right and i feel like for me always since i was a kid music and sport has always inter like they've always been interchangeable for me sport probably took um, more of a priority, especially when I was younger. But as I was getting a bit older and a bit more artistic, the two worlds felt like they were always, um, you know, they weaved in and out of each other. But mm-hmm. I've seen that's not the that's not exactly the normal way for a lot of other people. So I always gravitate to people who both have those passions and you know enjoy and can appreciate, you know, the, where they where the links are and and those connection points and be able to appreciate a footy game just as much as you appreciate a gig. So, you know. Well, good. that's that, that's the thing because I always felt the same way. But then um, obviously I am based in Melbourne and when I was doing music stuff, it was around Melbourne arts people. And I learned very quickly as a 19-year-old that lots of people in the arts really hate sport and hate anyone that <laughs> likes sport. So it was a really yeah. weird culture shock to me because, like you, I think they intertwine so beautifully. Um, so that's, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to then find people. The other person that really stands out uh, is Zach Abrams, who is very much like that as well. So into sport, I should say. But he's a oh, he's supporter. So we can't really uh, like him that much, but no, okay. that makes it difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm my colleague Caitlin, who we both know, I'm wearing her yeah. merch right now under this hoodie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we're allowed to say anything. Yes, when you're wearing Ben's <laughs> merch, you know, you've already shown that you're a supporter. It's, it's constructive criticism. But <laughs> yeah, like we've had a lot of conversations in our office where she just hammers sport, doesn't want to have a thing to do with it. And so I'm always looking for those like little doors to open, those little 
little doors ajar where you can you can you can you know talk about sport without generating such a hostile response and slowly I'm breaking it down like she she's talking about wanting to go to a swans game and you know I'm talking about different types of sports and you know she's always sort of associated with a lot of you know toxic masculinity and um yeah. and that kind of like that hyper competitiveness that comes from a lot of sport and she's saying and I, I guess like as a musician and as an artist they are some of the worst parts of what we do is the yeah. competitive side of it that's where it becomes really toxic whereas in sport that's inherently part of it mm-hmm. so i think that you know i'm i'm, I'm working on it with uh, with <laughs> handsome music i'm gonna get her to a game sometime <laughs> well with uh with a swans aflw team on the horizon maybe that's the end yeah yep. yeah it's gonna happen AFLW, the best. Um, but you're here today to talk about music stuff. Um, yeah. For people who don't know you uh, or who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am a musician and I run, well, I work at a music label and I manage artists as part of that. So my, my experience as a musician has always been one of just curiosity rather than, um, you know, being having a background in it. Mm-hmm. So always I've come at it from a bit of an amateur and um, I, I like to think of it as more like a labourer type of an approach to music. Yep. So I started without really any kind of fanfare. I started without any expectations of grandeur. I didn't have any feeling of entitlement, although maybe just being male, and my entitlement manifested as just like, I'm going to have a crack at this, even though I have no right to. But I never really sort of went in going, oh, I'm going to do deals and do all these types of things. I just was like, oh, well, I'll write a song. And so I think that mentality has been a big part of why I was able to start working in a business side of music yeah. in a similar way. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm curious and I want to learn more. And so... Those two, those things are very much impossible for me to remove in my um, experience of of my time in music is is not really knowing what I'm doing, but kind of sticking around and doing it for a long time. So now I've put out a bunch of records and I manage different acts and I'm very fascinated and interested and committed to their careers. And I have these two dual worlds as far as my role in music where where one is just sitting there in a studio and trying to write songs and tour and do all those things as an artist. And the other is try and bring whatever I've learned in my own life um, to the table when it comes to other artists and problem solving their issues and also learning from them and and letting them guide me, whether they are five years younger than me or 20, doesn't really matter. I'm really always looking to, um, to improve and learn more about music. So that's my, that's a little bit of my background. That's super interesting that you say that you kind of just jumped in and had a go because I teach music business. And that's the thing that I tell my students all the time. It's like, you're going to learn something in class, obviously, but you're not really going to learn what it's like until you actually just give it a crack. So just try stuff and see what happens. And I think most people that I know in music have just kind of had to start it that way rather than go in and be like, I'm going to get a job because that's just not how it works. Hey. Yeah, that's right. I think over time you you learn and relearn that too because we are emulators and Mm -hmm. we see something that opens our mind a little bit 
maybe it's just purely on a commercial level. Something is successful. Wow, cool. That's a new lane. I like that. I'm going to follow that. Oh, people are liking that. And you naturally or maybe, you know, consciously emulate something. You start to sort of like find your space within that new possibility. And, um, you know, there is a, I don't even know, know what I was saying there, but I guess like coming back to the, um, the, the just diving in side of things is that, yeah. y- you know, y- y- what, what sort of starts to, to um, happen after a little while, I'm going to turn off my WhatsApp um, so it doesn't beep every time. Um, what starts <laughs> to happen after a period of time is that you have a, um, and now I've lost my train of thought, you, you, you have a, um, a perfectionist streak that, ki- that kicks in as part of that. Yeah. And the, the, the need for everything to be right and the need for you to have deserved your space in, you know, in an environment before you even go in, before you even start to sort of take those tentative steps, um, always sets you up, in my opinion, always sets you up to sort of miss opportunities because by the time you've weighed up all of the possibilities, things have moved on. I think there is a need to just sort of to dive in a lot of the time. And I remember when I was coming up, there was a lot of that male um, um, pressure to pay your dues. It was real kind of like, you've got to be like, um, you, you've got to be like really good before you do something. Yeah. And I, I, it would never have mirrored my experience. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there's a real value in that to become really good at something and then dive in. That's a really professional way to go about it. But the reality is most of us aren't professionals. Most of us aren't the most elite. Like we're not supposed to be the the greatest that ever existed. We're just supposed to have some sort of a fulfilling and um, um, rewarding life. And so we're not, you know, we we are better served, I think, a lot of, a lot of the time in just... Um, trialing and erroring well that's the that's the thing isn't it like it's it's like looking at a job application saying it's an entry-level job but you need experience to get the entry-level job like how do you learn the thing unless you do the thing so you can't be great at a thing until you've practiced it a hundred times so if you're not performing live shows how are you going to know that you're good at performing live shows so that's the whole frustration especially in the arts that like it is trial by error isn't it yeah this is true and what before when I was a bit sidetracked. What I really mean by that perfectionist streak, at least for my experience, is that it's underneath that is a really like egotistical foundation where it's like, well, I am too valuable. My contribution to this is too important for me to just dive in. Like I mm. need to kind of like, it needs to match some sort of, um, you know, grand, con- grand sort of like version of myself actually, maybe you're not that important. Maybe it's fine <laughs> yeah. if you fail. Maybe no one really cares and it's just your ego that is guiding you and it's misdirecting you. Like there's actually something really harmless about having a crack at something and maybe not even following through with it. It's okay. <laughs> you know, well, this is what kids need to sort of like come out of school with. It's like you don't have to just come into a career and that's your rest of your life. That's not how life works. Absolutely. Like I... Personal example, I worked in music for eight years and then decided, nah, what I really want to do is sport. But like 
so much of what I learned doing music stuff has helped me to be able to do sports stuff. So like that might be seen as a failure, but absolutely not because I wouldn't be able to do what I do now as well as I do if I hadn't have done that stuff along the way. Yeah, it's nothing is wasted. I, I talk to some artists that I look after and artists go through all different phases of their career, sometimes really confident, sometimes completely depleted of all their confidence. Mm. And you've got to keep on kind of coming back to these conversations where you're like, well, um, nothing is wasted. Yeah. All, of these, all of these different chapters that didn't necessarily go anywhere are really essential building blocks to whatever you're doing. And even if they're not, like what, what choice do you have other than to keep on believing in, in that they are and I mean you know you working in music for eight years but then going to sport well here we are talking about music so yeah you know oh, exactly. I guess these things never they never really leave you either like yeah it's the same with sports Sport was such a massive part of my childhood and then music fully took over and in the last sort of five ten years sport has just like I've just it's it's never left me it's mm. still a really important part of my life so these things they might change in priority, but they still are important to our soul. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of that, we've each <laughs> chosen three songs. Sorry, I get distracted by conversations and then forget what we actually are meant to be talking about. Um, that's <laughs> on me. Uh, you've chosen three really interesting songs for us to chat about today. Do you want to kick us off with uh, your first song for the day? Yeah, sure. Well, I chose a few different songs it was like there's a bit of a combination here it is we are recording during nadoc week so i thought i wanted to focus on hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A couple of First Nations artists. Mm -hmm. um, but the first one that I've chosen is Barker. Yep. She's just, as of this week when we're recording, put out a song called King Brown. And I love everything about Barker. She is, <clears throat> I mean, she's the kind of artist that seems like she's been building up for quite a long time. But her first song was dropped during COVID in 2020. Yeah, wow. And it's a really perfect reflection on just how vibrant and how interesting she is as a person and how um, special she is as an artist that in such a short period of time, she's become an artist that everyone's checking for. And I love that. I think it's, I think it's amazing. It doesn't, every artist has a different timeline. You yeah. don't all have to kind of like be following the same trajectory. And it's very clear that a lot of people have been crying out for an artist like Barker to be in their feed. And here yeah. she is. 
you know, and she has not got here easy and she's so open about it. She's so um, uncensored when it comes to telling the audience about just, you know, how raw her, her journey has been to get to this point. And it's so disarming. And a lot of other artists aren't built for this. You know, they, they're, not, they're not equipped to be able to share in the same way that she is without any kind of shame. And nor should she have any shame. I guess it's just one of those things that happens for some people in, in, in wondering how to kind of reveal aspects of who they are and, and how they got here. And, and I love it. I love watching other people on social media and people at gigs respond to her. Yeah. And I, I got a perfect view of it because I did a gig with her in um, January this year. And I kind of thought, oh, she'd been around for a bit, but it, a bit, it was like her fourth gig. And she wow. got out on stage and she was so um, humble, but she was so funny. And she was, she, the way she spoke on stage, it just made the audience laugh. And in a split second, she would talk about ice or having her children being taken from her. And so there was this dynamic on stage where she was just so disarming and so funny and so engaging, like her charisma was off the charts. And yet at the same time, in, in, in the space of, of, of like, of a, of a few bars of music, mm. people would be in tears. Like, this is, this is a little bit, I guess I'm trying to get to the, to the heart of why Barker has made such an impact. And that is yeah. a bit of it. It's yeah, just absolutely. how piercing she is. Well, that comes across immediately. Like you talked about a charisma on stage and stuff. And I'll be honest, the first note I wrote was, I can only imagine what she's like live. Because I feel like watching the video, and I will link the video below for everyone, watching the video immediately, as soon as she appeared on the screen, she had me hooked in. And then straight away, I was like, I want to see what this is like live. That was the f- my first two thoughts when watching that video. And yeah. It's just like everything about her is so engaging and then it's backed up by really good music as well. So it's like like people can be charismatic and then also talentless. She's not one of those people. She truly has a really, really good song that is made even better by the fact that she is that person that engages you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what she keeps what she goes on to because she's really good rapper yeah um she's also staunch as you know she's really very clear and she seems to have just this total clarity about what she's doing and why she's doing it and we as an as a um as a community around her and as just fans have got a lot of a lot of great music to look forward to and um yeah i'm really excited about it she's she's really special Heck yeah. And this was released on Bad Apple's um, label as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's right. So let's hear a little bit of King Brown by Barker and we'll be back in just a moment. Up 
You just heard a little bit of King Brown by Barker, which was Tim's first song for the day. My first song is uh, one that just came out as well. We're recording these very fresh the day after many of these have come out. Um, I've chosen Ash Warrior. I still, I think I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, It's called Love Again. And it's from her debut EP called Nocturnal. Um, It's so beautiful and so close and so delicate. Um, you listen in headphones and it feels like she's like inside your head, the way that the vocal is mixed. It just pulls you right in. And it's the final song of the EP. So it's very much that kind of thing that it leaves you with after you finish that record, which I think is just so incredibly put together as well and really thought through. Um, she kind of jumped on the scene last year during COVID. And I saw a lot of people with her debut single just raving about it everywhere. And I listened to it and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Like, yeah. And then I listened to it a couple more times, like, okay, I get it now. And then since then, everything she's done has just been spectacular. And you said you kind of do the same thing, immediately listen to her stuff when it comes out. Yeah, she's, I I was so, um, I I was pumped when I saw that on your list of songs to talk about because Ashwaya, like I, I, um, I also share with you, not knowing the exact pronunciation, but she immediately from that first song when I heard it, I was like, "This is a special artist here. Like, this is a, this is not an artist." You know how I was talking before about how we emulate, and and yep. emulating is not a bad thing. Emulating is just human nature, so we get over it. But it's why artists like Ashwaya, like immediately stand out from the pack is because yes, she's making sort of pop music, but it's creative. It's really interesting. And she seems to forego what might be just going for as conventional a pop arrangement as possible for like, what am I doing here that is really advanced? And she reminds me a little bit of my old friend, Kenny, um, who I was in a band with, well, I still am in a band with the herd and he, um, always had this like, no, well, how can we put a key change in here? How can we do a different time signature? How do we do this in a way that like is going to confound the audience? And that means that sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, but it shows a flair and it shows that you're trying to do something that is really challenging. And that is where you break through into new ideas. That's where the renegades and the kind of like, you know, the, the artists that, change the game uh, and I feel like I hear a bit of that in Ashwaya so I'm like what is she going to do next and that is why I'm like keen to hear her, her you know each new song and you hear it in her arrangements there's there's different time signatures and there's key changes and there's there's just like this vibrancy and this this it's it, to me it feels like a real curiosity like what can I do that makes this really interesting and unexpected like yeah and that we need more artists like that. And she reminds me of people like Genesis Owusu and Agung Mango, these different artists who they, they, they sort of can um, be um, a little bit chameleon. They can exist in a, in a pop space and just sort of be on the same plane as others. But on another one, they exist on their own plane that a lot of those other artists cannot get to. Mm. And so you, you go, well, what are you going to do next? And, we need artists like that, you know, they're, they, 
they're not always going to be the popular artists, but they're yeah. definitely going to be the artists that you, you can't figure out. Like you can't just be like, oh yeah, that that's them. I've got them figured out. And not that, that's a really weird thing to say, I've got them figured out. But I think it's a mentality that we all have. It's like, oh, I know that artist. Oh, that's Powderfinger. That's what they do. Well, Knowing what to expect having, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's good having that unpredictability about artists because that's what we're here for. We're supposed to, we're not just supposed to kind of like make music by the numbers. Mm. And those successful artists that are at the Arias getting their, their awards or whatnot, they bet they, that's what they do and they win that and they do that well and they, they do music by the numbers. And the whole thing is they create art that appeals to the largest amount of people. And that, that's special too, but people like Ashwaya, yeah, like that's the, they're the artists that excite me. So it's and, funny um, that, kind of, oh yeah. Sorry, the funny that the references you made um, that she kind of reminds you of because of that nature. For me, it was like a Looper J or an Eilish Gilligan where they do have these kind of typical sensibilities that are then woven into something that you just don't understand or don't see how they got there, but you appreciate it once it did get there. And yeah, Yeah. so those are the probably Australian Jams listeners. I speak about them a lot and this is probably why I really like this song as well is that it does do the unexpected but also, you know, it's a beautiful vocal as well sitting yeah. over the top of it and it it's just like it's got the things that keep you entertained while you're waiting to see what's about to happen as well. Yeah, that's it. Um, the one, the, the confounding moment with Ashwaya for me was when she did that song with Vic Mensa. Yeah. Because... He's crazy. He's an amazing artist and I've seen that up close a little bit because he's worked with my band Hermitude on a song. Mm -hmm. Not my band, but the band that I manage, Hermitude. And so I know he's a great artist. So I was really looking forward to this song because I thought she's she's like, it's her debut EP and she seems to be a bit independent. How is she doing a song with Vic Mensa? But it doesn't surprise me at the same time because I'm sure he's gone, oh, no, you're cool. Ooh, you're interesting. I'm going to do that. Or maybe they just paid money. I don't know. It's not my, it's none of my business. I heard that same real vibrant um, contribution from Ashwaya, but it was actually Vic's part of it that I was like, he actually is not leveling up to her on this song. You know? Huge claim, bit, huge claim. <laughs> I think that he's just sort of phoned it in and she's just out here like streaming ahead like a, you know, like a, um, you know, uh, you know, she has that kind of energy. Yeah. And, and yeah, but I mean, not to say anything about it, because I also love him. I think he's an incredible artist. But yeah, it, it speaks to the excitement that I have for her. I think. Yeah. And there, there is a video that she's done of this one as well. Um, it's, it's very cool, but it's very much just her sitting in place singing the song, um, but in a kind of neon blue lit room with a few mirrors around the room and she's kind of sitting in a box cage thing um, and she's got what appears to be a giant puffy jacket around her. could be a doona, could be anything, but it's very much like the whole, the first thing that I saw, which may not have been the intention of that video, first thing I saw was getting stuck at home for COVID because she's sitting in what seems like a cage looking at herself 
with this big thing on her singing. And it's almost like this was how she recorded it, sitting on her bed at home in her bedroom. Um, it just kind of gave that different look to the song as well, which I thought, yeah, given what we've all been through and what you're currently um, going through in Sydney, like, yeah, it had that weird tinge to it. But it, when you first listen to the song, it doesn't sound like, oh, this was done in lockdown, like a lot of other songs have as well. Yeah. yeah super yeah. interesting. But uh, shall we hear some of it? Let's do that. This is a bit of Love Again by Ash Warrior. That was Love Again by Ash Warrior. That was my first for the day. Tim, which one have you got for us next? The next one I've chosen is going to be probably unfamiliar to most people. It was a song that was dropped during NADOC week, but it wasn't really dropped in, in a kind of music industry way with the song appearing on all the streaming services and the video and whatnot. This was just a song that was made into a video and then dropped on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, by an artist named Katie Aspel. Yeah. And this is a collaboration that Katie has done with some dancers called Of Desert and Sea and produced by Black Empire, which Black Empire is a collective that has been built or it's just formed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and behind Black Empire are artists like Jim Blah. And Jim Blah is a multifaceted artist who works creating video. He also is an instrumentalist, a mixer, a producer, a rapper, a singer. He's he's a he's a really um, you know interesting artistic soul. And he's trying to build a collective that is First Nations owned and run, cool. and completely um, autonomous in the way that they conduct their business. So trying to work out a different way of putting music together. So we've worked with them to, to, to sort of share in that journey, but he has previously collaborated with Rulla and Marlon. And you would know, you might know Rulla and Marlon because Marlon Motlop is a, is a famous footy name. Yes, or he Motlop is. Motlop is a famous footy name. I was actually talking about him to someone the other day. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, and and Rulla is the other guy in their in their duo. They're two different artists, but they're working together on a lot of stuff. Both crazy footy um, players. They're both playing the sample. Although I think um, Rulla is now sort of stepped out of it. Yeah. But but part of this is so this I should give context. This is from South Australia. The Black Empire is kind of moving around and, and working with communities and artists in South Australia. And yeah, so. The first song that came out was Rulla and Marlon and Black Empire and it was called Black Swan and this one is called Here. But this song I think is really special because it was written with her grandma and granddad. Yeah, well. And um, the the arrangement's beautiful. There's a lot of feeling to it. As soon as you hear this song, you'll understand what I mean. Like it's it's very direct and 
um, you know, I really hope that it, it is one of those songs that finds its own space because it really tells a story that we, you know, we're needing to hear more and more um, in 2021, just, just given that we have an entire history that has wiped out the perspectives of First Nations people. We, we have a lot of catching up to do. Mm-hmm. And so where, wherever the perspectives exist on the spectrum, like radical and staunch and not negotiable or moderate and, um, you know, less, less um, not negotiable, yeah. Um, wh- whatever the, the form of that expression takes, we all need to kind of like listen to it and take it on and um, and, and learn and, and become a better people as a result of it just because um, the, the damage that has been done is so grand in scale that only, you know, only it's going to, you know, take a, a long time to, to really be able to reclaim a sense of like, um, of proper like national unity, if that makes sense, yeah, it's a terrible yeah. way of describing it. But you cannot kind of hope that you, that something like reconciliation can exist without addressing like all of the harm that is done. And without speaking too much on it, I guess like I hear a song like this, and this song feels soft. Like it mm. feels like a you know when I, when I, when we when we've got the more like hard line like speaking truth to people who need to hear that truth um i'm i'm here for that and i love it and i'm you know it's so great to see so many artists um speaking so boldly and directly but yeah this song sort of exists in that more like it's it yeah it's it it's gentler and you and i hear it and i'm like yeah that's i can hear grandma and granddad in this song and it's a real beauty yeah and that's the thing that you've touched on is the the whole the it's about telling that story and it's softer as you've said but it's also very direct in the lyric and the way that that vocal is mixed is very very clean so that you your whole focus is what's being said and like one of the lyrics is we're still here going strong we know who we are and where we belong that's probably one of the it's a very prideful lyric, but it's probably, again, one of the softer lyrics throughout that. There's some very, like, I don't want to say damning statements, but it's very pointed. But the yeah. way that it's put together is it's not a song that has big peaks and valleys. It's not a song that um, does a whole lot in terms of levels or anything. But the production value of it almost makes it like spoken word poetry. Yeah. with music underneath and then there are some really beautiful harmonies that come in towards the end that are just incredible but the thing that really struck me was you know it's all about what's being said and it's all about you focusing on what's being said and the story being told is one of a lot of pain a lot of anguish and also the attempt to look where this can go from here and I think that's yeah. the thing people should be taking away from this song is what what story are they telling and why are they telling it yeah yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah often, <laughs> so often, so um, often, I'm, I'm really grateful that you brought this one because I wouldn't have found it otherwise. Um, I'll, I'll show my students uh, the uh, treaty 
anniversary with Baker Boy, that song. And I, I generally will play that in full to the students with the lyric video. Um, but now this one might have to be added to that as well. Cause again, it's a different way of saying a very similar thing to what, um, what has been said by a lot of voices so far. Yeah. Yep. And the thing that I was, you know, I'm going to go back to sport for a second here. Go for it. But we have a choice in how we engage with tr the, the stories and the truth of this country. Mm -hmm. We have a choice. The choice can be to um, be threatened by it and to push back against it, which is a very kind of conservative mindset. We are fearful of and guilt-ridden for what has gone by. So what we have to do is deny those stories. We have to deny that they exist. We have to push down that drive to sort of tell those stories and to have the truth come out. That's one way of going about it. The other way is to actually embrace it mm -hmm. and to understand where, you know, like to really kind of like look at it from a sense of pride. So like I think about when when Goodsy did that dance in that Indigenous round the many Carlton years game. ago. And we had, yep, the Carlton game, the SCG, and we had this big fanfare that followed on and there was these commentators going oh I don't know if he should have been doing that you know it really represented to me that moment where you have a choice mm -hmm. where one could be like oh this is this is this is a bad thing the other is like this is something that enriches us as a people is that yeah. we are connected here like we have done terrible things but we are connected we can make the choice to actually own it and be like we have a proximity to this culture. That is an amazing thing and a privilege. What a, what, a, what a thing for us. And that calls on our leaders. That calls on commentators. That calls on politicians. Calls on people just to be like, hey, this is something good, right? And, um, you know, hearing, you know, hearing and, and knowing about the storytelling and the culture that exists with um, you know, Aborig Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and that we get to, to kind of share a little bit of because, you know, even though we have invaded and we've only been here for modern history, we still are able to not be fearful of, of the fact that culture existed here for tens of thousands of years and there is so much for us to learn and, you know, like take to the rest of the world and go, hey, this is who we really are, you know. And songs like this where um, where you, you are able to just immerse yourself in the greatness of that culture and not, not see it as um, an inconvenience or something that sort of disrupts our capitalist sort of pursuit of, of winning things and getting as much money as we can and claiming as much space for ourselves, but actually, you know, our soul as a people is the only, you know, we are fed as a people by, by culture. And I'm, you know, I, I'm having trouble sort of like summing it up into a, a neat little sentence here, but this is how I feel about. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right of, though. Like the, yeah. the making the choice and then it's being dictated by a lot of who, have the loudest voice so it's interesting you brought up that that specific game because there are so many moments in adam the end of adam good's footballing career that we could have chosen because i remember being at that game i'd gone up to sydney for that game and 
being at the game, the response to that was wholly positive amongst the crowd. Not, not, no one in the crowd took offense to it. Um, everyone cheered it. Even the Carlton supporters around us were fairly positive about it, even though they were losing, you know, like that, that wasn't the feeling at the ground was positive. So to then go and hear that in that moment when the crowd was having a great time and something great had happened on the field, that the people in the in the commentary box who were all men and all older white men had an issue with it was this massive disconnect from what the community felt at that time. And then it became something that it wasn't because of the Mm -hmm. comments of the few. And it's so often in football, we're seeing that and whether it's about race or gender or even how good a player is or how bad a player is, we're seeing outdated stagnant views being dictated by people who aren't that interested in what other people think. They're only interested in personal success or personal, uh, I guess, notoriety and there is that massive disconnect to the people that are actually part of it and it's so strange and how do you solve it is that big question and like I'm coming at it from a football fan perspective who um, wishes that our game was covered better but Indigenous people are coming at it from the perspective of we have been persecuted and uh, discriminated against and so many more horrible things for however long and this is these are the people in charge so my anger pales in comparison to the people are actually being genuinely affected by this stuff as well Mm. yeah (laughs) white people need to like sit the fuck down really i mean you you know at the bottom of it it, you summed it up as a bunch of white men in the commentary box Mm. If that wasn't the case and you were able to talk through these, you know, like going back to what we were talking about, about emulating, it's the same thing with when these issues come up in society. You have a bunch of people on loudspeakers making pretty strong calls about what's okay, what's not okay. So, okay, we form our moral compass based off our own views, but also what we're told and what what the conversation and the narrative is around it. And um, you don't have completely a commentary box filled with white men and you don't have that narrative being stitched up from from the the observation of the event like you have a different perspective and that is why it is essential to have the yeah have representation in all of the different spots i mean it's it's just bloody obvious but unfortunately you know you still see those moments lost those opportunities lost because you just got such a narrow you know a, a narrow kind of like um, perspective within yeah. all these powerful positions. Absolutely. And I mean, this conversation could go on so long given I yeah. work in women's sport because that's a whole other thing as well. But yeah, um, this song is beautiful and uh, let's hear a little bit of it because I will get distracted again. I'm very sorry, everyone. Uh, this one is called Here. It's by Katie Aspel with contribution from Of Desert and Sea and Black Empire. Our culture has endured the test of time, of time. We're still here, standing strong. We know who we are and where we belong. 
You just had a bit of Here by Katie Aspel with contribution from Of Desert and Sea and Black Empire. My second choice for today's episode is uh, by Bats and it's called Everything is Free. And Bats is someone who's been um, kind of kicking around for a really long time and has done some really wonderful things, has worked with some really wonderful people but, um, and kind of exists in that in that scene of, you know, Lanks and um Murpire and people like that Hannah Blackburn um so this is quite a different song from everything else we're chatting about today as well and it the, it's very much the concept of um you know who's paying for this now um who's supporting us now I just have to give away the thing that I love to do for free because that's the only way I'm ever going to be able to do it and it's really mm. upsetting but then it's done so beautifully that you're like oh how do I how do I marry these two things up in my head? And then the double tracking of the vocals coming in to create those harmonies just completely sold me as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is a Gillian Welsh song. Like Gillian Welsh has been one of these really interesting characters for 20 odd years as a as one of those um really beautiful lyric writers. You know, mm. she's really um you know, she's 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 just special in the way that she has written her her catalogue, and a lot of people who I know have become obsessive about Gillian Welsh. But that you can match, or like that you can find a place for us for an artist like that in a time like this, where it has all this new meaning. Yeah, um, I have no context whatsoever about when the song was written um, because I don't have a great under like I don't have. I don't know that much about bats and I've known a lot about Gillian Welsh, but I'm not really, a, I'm not really like a, a fan or anything like a deep fan. Yeah. But yeah, like hearing what I, what I love about what you're saying is, um, is something that endlessly fascinates me about the like the art of making music. And that is that the way that words and melody and the vocal performance of that like obviously the musical arrangement with it with it is integral but that's not my area so much so i usually speak about lyrics and melody but the thing that endlessly fascinates me as someone who writes songs is that intersection between those those um um elements and the way that that makes it transcend the pure communication of the idea so we as artists we're supposed to be here to communicate and but our the the great beauty of the mysteriousness of of how we communicate is that sometimes it it defies like the the construction of the words that are put into the sentence that make up the sentiment. You know, mm-hmm. it's it it goes bigger than that because it's feelings. Like it hits you in your heart, and sometimes that is not about the word or the original songwriter. It's about the tone of the vocal and the the way that. That, that particular tone meets the line or the words and that makes you feel something and it makes it really real. And that to me is endlessly amazing. I am just obsessed with it because it also acknowledges that we as artists, we can write it and we can perform it, but there's this, there's this unknown in, like quality to that process that you think you're in control of, but you're never really in control of. Yeah. And so that makes it endlessly alluring. Like you can never stop in your quest to 
to stumble upon those moments. And yeah, I, I would agree with you on this song, especially now, like, yeah, trying to understand how to exist as an artist <laughs> um, in 2021, where the access points are so wide. And so anybody can dive in, but the need to, like this, the, the uniqueness of having a real connection with an, or with, between artists and audience is still something to hold on to. It's not yeah. something that just is easily accessible just because you can work on music. And, um, and that also means that it's endlessly challenging for everyone who's involved in it because now the playing field is so wide and you, you, you put a song out and there's another hundred songs that have come out just, you know, in your own country that week. So how do you find a space to, to, to exist as an artist? It's and the thing definitely that, something, yeah. And the thing that a lot of uh, artists have used to differentiate themselves, so their live show and how they tour and how they connect with fans has been snatched away from them. So that not only has a huge income stream being taken away, but the, that connection and that ability to find how unique you are has been taken away as well. So it's almost like an identity is gone, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, it's a, this is a, this is a big conversation in a way because it speaks to the fact that, um, yeah, you know, where, where does an, if there's so much competitiveness and there's so many different artists um, and the window of time for which an artist might get a spotlight is ever diminishing, then how does that, especially those artists that take a little bit longer to develop, how are they allowed to develop? How are they allowed to mature into the type of artists that might have an everlasting impact across generations? We're going to lose that. There's definitely, there's, there's definitely truth to that. I feel like it's like one of those lines of thought that you can endlessly imagine what it might mean or what the consequences of it might be, but ultimately you can't do anything about it. So you just have to be like, hmm, yep. that's an interesting sort of thing. But, but I really empathise because, you know, we as artists, we're not supposed to just, it's not a running race. We don't come out of the blocks and reach 100 metres and then it's done. Mm. This is just all of these little things contribute to the greater picture of who you are as an artist and hopefully you get the luck that the fortune of being a of having a career and having longevity and in that time you're going to experience all the highs and lows anyway so you, there's no need to run to the first um checkpoint it's all just yeah. you know building building that body of work so it's, it's a lot harder for young artists now to be able to you know become you know have that longevity it's there's no question about it it's funny because uh, this could I could make a joke here about this is an example of something that genuinely isn't a race. Uh, getting vaccinated is not one of them. Um, let's hear a little bit of this while I get angry at our Prime Minister um, and then we'll come back for your final song of the day. This is Everything cool. is Free by Bats. Never minded working hard to
You just heard a little bit of Everything is Free by Bats. Uh, Tim, your final... Well, I should let everyone know. We just had a full-on chat about football and state rivalry and lockdowns. Um, so that's where we're at, if our tone has changed at all. Um, but we're up to your final song, Tim. What have you chosen for us? I've chosen a young artist from Brisbane. His name's Caleb. Yep. And I should... I should sort of disclose that I have just started managing Caleb, so that's my personal bias here. But uh, we love um, personal bias here. Conflict of interest is the is the heartbeat of music. So, um, it, w- with that in mind, I wanted to share Caleb, but it doesn't really matter anyway because, in due time, I think people are going to be you know able to share a lot of great experiences with Caleb. He's, um, one of the reasons why I'm working with him is he has this, uh, you know, great hunger and energy for music so much so that like when I first hit him up just out of the blue, he was 16 years old. I didn't wow. realise that. I thought he was much older. And he's been just on and off making music since he was like a kid and was his first recording was before he was 10 years old. So, um, you know, he's, he, but yeah, like, the talent of this kid is crazy. He's young um, Ghanaian, Australian kid, and uh, yeah, like grows up in Brizzy. Parents, a little like I think it's a, a, a bit more of a conservative religious household, and you know he's one of this you know phenomenal new wave of artists that is really taking the foundations of the culture here that. You know, historically, we're always very multicultural, but in the 2000s sort of turned into this inverse and very white-led um, yep. hip-hop culture here, which um, never represented the real lifeblood of hip-hop culture in this country, but for circumstances that are far too complex to just kind of explain away um, here... Um, yeah, they really material. They really kind of manifested in the hoods, Bliss and Esso, myself. Um, but but within that um, movement, there were also artists like Dear Freaks. There were also artists like Twelve Hundred Techniques. There were also artists like Maya Jupiter and um, Ebony Williams and um, Impossible Odds, The Last Connection. There were all all these different artists that were coming from different um, communities. And yes, there was definitely gatekeepers there. Um, at, at every level that 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 wasn't it, it wasn't like they held down different artists who were already doing stuff it just was that there was not enough um, development so then you didn't have um, artists from different communities actually feeling like they had a pathway mm-hmm. and so that, and a lot of that is because you know you're not seeing African artists up on stage or First Nations artists up on stage on TV on radio so you need to have that representation I've kind of contradicted myself but um but we're also sort of was this this culture is very um um you know it, it was very DIY and it was very independent because it wasn't a corporate and, and um, major label-led uh, culture here. Mm. But what we've seen in the last 10 years is that really changing. And so, you know, artists like Sampa the Great have emerged and obviously she's not Australian, but we really claim her because this is where she, um, she built her foundations, and at least in music, and released music. And we've seen her 
become a global, um, you know, pioneer. Or when I say pioneer, maybe pioneer is the wrong word, but like globally, she is recognised and acknowledged as a great artist. Yeah. And then you see artists like Manu Crooks and B Wise, and down in Melbourne, you've got Sixty Six Records, Ecosystem, um, the real Pookie. You know, in um, Brizzy, you got Swish Music. In Sydney, you got artists like One Four and um, the area, Hooligan Hefts. There's all these different artists that are emerging now. Um, yeah, and and Caleb is another interesting um, artist within that big wave that we, we're seeing to sort of like blow everything apart. So much so that, you know, you'll see some of these older artists who once upon a time would have had all of the spotlight if they put out a new song and now it's like crickets. And so there's this real identity question that's coming up, which is really fascinating for me having participated in the culture like 20 years ago and also sort of really enthusiastically embracing where it's going now. But Caleb, and this is such a long spiel, it's so funny for me to just like ramble on about it, but I guess I'm just so full of, I just love it. I'm so into it. But Caleb is just, you know, he, he just represents like so much excitement to me because... He's got an incredible voice, such a rich tone. So the texture is, is, um, is just, yeah, it's gravelly and, and rich, uh, but he's an incredible rapper. His flow is crazy. And he's also really kind of, you know, open and creative and experimental and trying to come up with great melodies and hooks and different ideas. And, you know, when we started working with him, um, was, you know, asked him about what he had been working on or what, whether he could share any of his demos. And, of course, he sends over a Google Drive folder with 40 songs on it. I mean, the kid's <laughs> 18, you know. Um, and so this is the first song that we have worked on with him. It's all him. Like, we haven't done any of the music or, or helped out with mixing or anything. This is all wow. him and, um, and his brother. Um, but it's the first step and it's the first song of many to come. And... Um, you know, I, I have one foot in some of these older school heads that are looking at this big movement and wondering, oh, what do, where do we fit within it? And I also have one foot in the fan mentality now of watching all these artists build their own stories and their own careers and their own audiences and, and just not needing to be part of it, but actually just enjoying their success and enjoying the fact that they are actually creating the new Australia, you know, and that to me is, um, yeah, I'm really proud just to even kind of participate in that as a fan. But also yeah. it's really nice to be able to kind of like have that industry experience and that touring and recording experience that I can actually really bring something of value to some of these artists too. That's a real privilege, actually. It's not something I'm like, you know, I'm needed. No way. It's just something that I've actually got something to contribute to and I feel I feel definitely proud that over the course of my time in music, it sort of set me up to be in a position that I am in now. And it, it feels less egotistical and more just like I, you, you have a meaningful contribution, which is um, and it's fun. And, and I look at an artist like Caleb as being, you know, a, a perfect example of why so many people in Australia should be really excited about where music is headed here. Well, I mean, your contribution is important, whether it's big or small, because you did touch on pathways and how they didn't seem to exist for a lot of artists trying to enter that world. Um, so 
by being able to help out by managing or providing those opportunities. That is a pathway. That's how we create a pathway. So um, yeah. it doesn't have to be all about you, but if you know how to help, then that's super important to helping create that pathway. Absolutely. And you know, pathways are a thing I talk about a lot uh, and creating them for the people who haven't had those opportunities. Super important. Um, the thing that I really liked about this, other than the fact that you could totally feel his personality in the video. So like watching the video, you kind of got a sense of who he was, which, or is, which is really cool. Um, and it seems like a really, uh, like a person you want to get to know. Um, the other thing was the song is super accessible for people who aren't necessarily big hip hop fans or big rap fans. Like you can listen to this as a, as a probably a generic music fan, I should say, and get it and enjoy it and still kind of maybe that opens the door a little bit to then go further into that world. And I find this is a really yeah. good accessible song for that, which makes me really excited because sometimes artists that are very in the genre that they, that they live in and that they're interested in can kind of close off to those people who haven't got there yet whereas i feel like he is absolutely kind of a a gateway hip-hop artist to then open up the world to a lot of uh more full-on i guess i'm not phrasing this very well um hip-hop in australia which i think is very cool as well yeah yeah it's sort of you need you need um vibrant artists in all the pockets yeah it's 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 sort of strong i mean i guess when you're when people are experiencing things in a kind of tourist context, you, you, you don't really have space to comprehend um, things existing in a complex form. Everything kind of has to be narrow and simple, but actually like the health of something is always um, that there is, there is vibrancy at the real staunch and hard, hard end of the picture, but also you know, something that offers us something in the complete opposite side of it. Mm. So within that spectrum of, of like, you know, different, you know, forms of, you know, hip hop culture, particularly, we are collectively better off if you actually have like, you know, um, energy in all of the different pockets. I mean, it's, it's sort of more of a general thing in, you know, speaking about all sorts of different matters, like whether they even be about, you know, politics or, um, or, or, or social change, you need to have actually the, it's not, it's not good just to say, Oh no, we, we want moderate views. We want people who are willing to negotiate. No, no, no. A lot of the change happens on the people who are kicking the door down and like just forcing their way. in. that's how change happens. So, you know, in similarly speaking with hip hop, oh, you don't like that that hard sound? That's not for you. Okay, that's fine. But the soft sound is is given context by the hard stuff. Like yeah. it's all part of the same thing, and it all makes up pushing the culture forward. And totally. pushing the culture forward is where we want to be. You know, we want to see what happens. That's the amazing thing. Like it's limitless. It's who knows. Like look at once upon a time there was always this talk well, when are we going to have an you know a hip-hop artist from here succeed internationally oh it was always going on like it's never going to happen and i was always talking about from a perspective of not really knowing but constantly being asked that question forever because there was a bunch of 
mainstream music people and media who were trying to get their heads around this culture that they're not really part of because it was always indie and it was always outside the corporate machine. Yeah. And so you're answering these questions. When's it going to be respectable in your eyes, i.e. internationally um, successful? When is that going to happen? Because that's cultural cringe. So I was always answering this question, well, it's going to happen. And look at the kid Leroy. Yeah. It's happened. And he's doing songs with Justin Bieber. He's like one of the biggest stars in the world. So these things do change. And this, you're getting back to talking about pathways. It's really interesting as someone, you know, as you get deeper into whatever it is that you're getting into, you start to kind of really realise that those little steps and those little links are so important and being able to um, piece together like someone who has a passion for something but invest in them. I like where's the female coaches in AFLW, right? Yeah. So you have to invest in 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 these spaces so that you actually do see what is possible. And that's what I love about getting back to hip hop is like you don't know where it's going to go, but when it goes forward, it it it's it's out of your control. It's it's just within our collective forces and 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 that's 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 it's important for us to acknowledge that you can't just expect it just to happen. It does take a bunch of different steps along the way until it has its force of its own and, and it just, it goes out of control. And we, you know, we have Kid Leroy in, in the States right now. So, yeah. Uh, I think this will lead beautifully into the final song of the day as well. So let's listen to a little bit of this so we can kind of continue that conversation in just a second. So this is a bit of Nothing New by Caleb. And uh, we'll come back in just a sec. Like I'm insane. I'll never like what you be working with because demons go entertain. I was told that I should go, but I don't know. I don't see no in the pain. But then I knew that I was treating you like gold and you ain't never ever did the same. Nah, they go. I like, I've been the main reason to why she feel the pain. They go. That was a little bit of Nothing New by Caleb, which was Tim's final song for the day. Um, We were just discussing impact overseas and Australian hip-hop artists having that impact overseas and and how, yes, it might have taken a little bit of time, but it did get there because, you know, there was investment finally made and Pathways finally existed and there were people knocking down those doors. And a very good example of that is TK Maidza, who just released another new record um, called Last Year Was Weird, Volume 3. Um, and the song that I've chosen off this one is High Beams, which I think is the song that a lot of people have quickly uh, gravitated toward from this record. TK is such a wonderful story, but I think she gets lost a lot in Australia. I I played um, one of her songs, the uh, Killer Mike collab or feature, to my students and not one person knew who TK was in the class. They're all music business students in Australia. Not one of them knew who TK was, but knew who Killer Mike was. And I was like, this has to be rectified Um, because people just, they're so, I don't know, they dismissive of maybe Australian hip hop in a way as they're entering the music industry. And then they start to learn the value of it maybe. And it needs to stop having that barrier. Um, and TK is one of those people that can help completely break down those barriers because she's flipping amazing. Like, 
everything about this song is so cool, but everything she does is so cool as well. Yeah, TK is an interesting artist. I mean, she emerged when she was a teenager, I think. Yeah. And, um, and she was like coming out on that slight rap, slight EDM thing. Um, it was really big a few years ago and she became that most hyped artist um, mm. where she was on all of the festivals and um, it's almost as if I can't, I can't, I mean, you can never really know from the outside, but it does seem like it would have been um, complicated for her to, to, to emerge with all of this excitement and all of this hype yet she's sort of experiencing all of the things before she's really um, worked out what she wants to do as an artist and who she is. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, when, whenever you kind of get thrust into profile, um, you don't really get the chance to sort of work that stuff out because everything's visible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like not that she's comparable, but Billie Eilish, you know, she's so young. Um, she got to such a level of stardom before she really even had a, had a chance to, um, do things in a neutral way. Everything became under the spotlight. And TK, you know, clearly not on that scale, but feels like on a local level, she sort of was put into this, you know, you're going to be this megastar. And so then that, that naturally, I think, turned into a little bit of like cynicism from industry people, which is just such a gross sort of side of, of music. Is just like, if you're not the biggest star ever, we're going to move on. Yeah. And I feel like TK kind of wandered around trying to like work out what her sound was. And it probably doesn't totally help that, you know, she, she found her way into a, a, a bit of a general sort of music label context that might have had a better, um, you know, had better language around um, pop music and indie music. And so she may have, I don't know, I'm, I'm totally speculating, but may have spent a little bit of extra time working out who she wanted to be as opposed to what would work here. Yep. So always she's had that potential and she's always had these moments along the way where you really are so aware of how special she is as, as an artist. But the thing I like about the song that you chose is that it does feel like she's really kind of found herself now and she's doing stuff that is, um, yeah, like it, you know, like she's doing songs like Kim and these other songs that just, they sound confident and she's doing these videos that are really bold. And she, I, 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 as a fan, I'm like watching, I'm going, uh, you, you're not just like doing big things, but you also seem happier as an artist and more fulfilled as an artist. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, she's arguably now had more success internationally than she has here, which is um, where the playing for keeps will be because, um, you know, the rest of the world can see her talent. Yeah, and, I mean, we always have that conversation about having success in Australia is good, but it is a very small market. So getting that break overseas is super important to longevity um if you want to continue to grow i guess um you kind of reach yeah. a point in australia where there's no more people to get on board really like 
it's just such a small um, area, whereas overseas there's endless possibilities, which um, is why so many artists are so desperate to get overseas. Um, let's, I, I've just start, stopped making sense though. So let's hear a bit of this and then we can wrap this one up because I have kept him a very long time this morning. Um, this one is High Beams by TK Minds Art. We'll come back. That was a little bit of High Beams by TK Mindzer. That was the final song we're chatting about today. Um, Tim, thank you so much for joining me this morning. You're welcome. Thanks so much for entertaining my twin fascinations of music and sport. It's been a pleasure to have a chat. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, so if people want to find you, if people want to hear your music or any of your artist music, um, tell us all the things and all the places people can find you. Well, the core part of what we do, sorry, there's a bit of noise around here, is um, our, our music business is Elephant Tracks. Yep. And so, yeah, Elephant Tracks is, is, the, is, is basically a music label and a management company. We take care of a lot of artists. Um, yeah, I, you know, my, my, my next releases, well, it's definitely been disrupted by COVID and this lockdown and we, we don't seem to be looking like coming out of this lockdown anytime soon and that's going to impact it's, it impacts so much um even just like well we can't even schedule in press shots or music videos or different mixing engineers are not going to be available because they can't access their studio so this sort of is going to have a very <laughs> um direct impact on on my next music but i've actually got you know, close to an album finished. So I'm really excited about awesome. you know, sharing some music sometime soon. But yeah, one thing that I guess I, I'm just digressing because we're signing off here, but the one thing that I'm not looking forward to in the second half of this year is the fact that whenever the music industry um, experiences a lockdown, and, and I'm sure that a lot, of, a lot of other industries share it, so I can't speak for them, but I can speak for what we do, is that, we don't just experience the upheaval of the weeks where we lose income. Actually, this is a ripple down. We're going to be feeling this for the rest of the year. There's absolutely no way that we're going to be able to open up without major restrictions in um, limiting the kind of amount of people that can go to shows, the types of events that can take place. Even just planning, you lose all the confidence and ability to plan when you know that there could be another lockdown or there could be another outbreak like this so i'm not looking forward to the way that we're going to deal with the rest of this year and the 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 livelihoods for a lot of artists and the um and just how much it's going to impact people who are already in a very insecure line of work um it's going to be pretty tricky but um you know um a lot of people are in, are in that same boat so there is going to be a need yeah. to sort of like hopefully have um, oh, well, we're really looking forward to hopefully having um, a bit of a different approach to the way that music is treated outside of this lockdown once it, once it finishes because 2021 is now like a little bit of a write-off for a lot of us. 
Well, I did see, and it's funny that you bring that up. Well, not funny, but like interesting that you bring that up because I did see a tweet yesterday, someone horrible being horrible to a friend of mine saying, um, if you can't survive a week without work, um, then uh, something about then you should be looking for different work or something like that. It was very like judgmental of the fact that uh, like a one week of work is just one week of work when that's not the case in the arts. Like, yeah, you lose your shows and you have to reschedule. You lose costs of flights. You lose um, bookings at studios. Like you have to actually backtrack so much if you lose one week because then, as you said, lockdowns don't exist and then magically disappear. You very slowly get back to yeah. – um, and even Melbourne is not back to normal levels of – attendances at shows or anything so it's not just one week of work I think that's the thing we really need to get through to people is it's not one week of casual work an hourly rate that you then immediately get back it's a very very slow process to return to actually back to what you were and the momentum of being a musician as well as being an artist you lose a lot of your momentum too so that can severely impact something may have been wholly successful one week and then not so successful the following week so I think people need to give artists a break uh, because it's not just one week of work it's been two years of work that they've lost so please be kind to artists buy their merch if you can Uh, if you can't buy their merch then stream their music uh, promote them on your social media tell them that you like them because that can also help even if you're not financially supporting them it's nice for them to hear that they've still got support out there so please do all those things Um, if people want to find you on social media to follow your swans tweets how can they do that just follow the follow the flames follow the the smoke signals i'm out there i'm out here doing business i'm out here offering unwarranted opinions i am there for you i'll be i will be there to nurture and to to cuddle you into my pointless opinions you'll find me i will link all of all of Tim's uh, Twitter account and Alpha Tracks and all of that stuff below as well. So please go and follow, especially if you're a Swans fan. It's definitely worth it. Um, I've I've had great joy uh, seeing people talk about the Swans. So uh, it brings joy to lives. Know that. But this has been Australian Jams. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back in another fortnight. Don't know who the guests will be yet, but uh, we'll find out together. Uh, Please, again, support artists if you can, however you can. Very important to do that. And uh, I will see you all in two weeks' time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.